what's the what's the the damson take on leadership? So, I mean, for me specifically, um, you know, especially now in my career, after uh, you know, you know, being in the army for you know 17 years, is like, you know, I think what's what's more pertinent to uh, to me nowadays is servant leadership, um, especially you know it taking care of the guys but taking care of them in an uh, like an out front mentality um i know we always say in the army you know don't ask your guys to do anything that you're not willing to do yourself but uh you know something that has always been super important to me and uh i used to tell my platoon in um three alpha this you know it's like is you know i work for you um you don't work for me um, and, and I think that's huge because, because it, because it's true, yeah. you know. Welcome to the Leading with Vulnerability podcast. I'm your host, Yuma Barnett. And today my guest is Dan Damshin. And, uh, that's a name that is well known within the 75th community, especially around here at Fort Benning, uh, uh largely because he's six foot six, weighs 245 pounds and you can't miss him when he comes in a room. Uh, Dan took a unique route into the regiment. He came from the conventional army into the regiment and has been very successful in the 75th, which is not always the story when people come from the outside units at more senior ranks. And we'll talk about that a little bit. Um, I had the pleasure of being Dan's first sergeant in Delta Company, and that's the first time I met Dan. And uh, as everybody that listens knows, I came from 1st Ranger Battalion, and it's always difficult when you grow up in one battalion and you go to another battalion to take a senior leadership position. Um, you don't have any allies in the room. You don't have any of your reputation to go on. Nobody's there that, that knows how you grew up and the things you've done. So you've got to earn that all over again when you go to a new organization and you need friends in that organization. So a quick story about Dan is I took the company on July 7th, um, a few years ago, and uh, I was in there in my office that first day, overwhelmed with how I got this position, however, ended up here in my life. And this giant mass of a man comes down who I knew was my reconnaissance platoon sergeant at the time. And he comes in my office. It's late. Everybody's starting to clear out and go home. And I'm in there trying to take in the magnitude of the moment. And Dan, he just says, hey, boss, what do you need? And I knew at that moment I had an ally in the room, that Dan was going to be there. And he's going to be somebody I could rely on and count on to help me be successful as a company first sergeant. And that is for the two years that I was there. Dan was there, and uh, he's one of the main reasons I was successful. One of the best platoon sergeants I've ever seen. Um, and it's not because he just did what I told. It's because he always gave pushback, and I like pushback. I saw a lot of myself in Dan because well, with friction, that's where you make, well, that's where stuff is made. I appreciated that. He's been very successful, and we're going to talk a little about He's gone through some mental health struggles and some growth and some things that are kind of a stigma in, in the community I just came from, the community you're in. And uh, we're going to just help smash that today. We're going to talk a little bit. We're going to have a little bit of fun. We'll see if we both agree that we want Matt Stafford to win the ring because yep. he's a lifelong Detroit no, we Lion. Do. You know, I think that's probably both of our goals because I'm a Georgia fan. And I know Dan cheers for Georgia, too. So we're cheering for Matt, even though they crushed my Niners last week. So mm. I'll turn it over to Dan, let him introduce himself, and we'll get on with the conversation. No, uh, uh, Thanks for having me. Uh, I'm Dan Damshin, uh, originally from uh, Aurora, Illinois. Um I played a lot of uh, sports growing up, um, specifically basketball and uh, baseball were, uh, were my, my two go-to sports. Uh, from there, I uh, enlisted uh, right outside of high school at 18 years old. Um, had an opportunity to have a pretty 
a unique moving around career path from, uh, you know, starting off in fourth ID and then uh, moving over to the 101st Pathfinder Company and then uh, the 82nd for uh, a small stint into into the 75th. So uh, uh, currently uh, married to uh, my beautiful wife, Alexa, uh, just recently married and uh, three beautiful babies uh, that reside inside of Illinois. Um, but that's uh, that's me. So that's that's Dan in a, in a nutshell there. And I, I can't believe I didn't think to congratulate you on the wedding that I was just at. That I was just and it was a beautiful spot. And if you don't know, you can get married at the National Infantry Museum. I had no idea. That's a that's a great spot to do it. And I had a great time down there. And congratulations on yeah, that. I appreciate um, that. You took a more traditional route in the Army, I would say. You do what more people do. You come in and you go from unit to unit. And uh, did you start out in mechanized? Was it a mechanized I, I started unit? off in uh, 4th ID in a mechanized uh, battalion uh, with uh, some Bradleys and yeah. uh, some other. Uh, it was kind of unique, you know, uh, considering I wasn't expecting to go to a mechanized unit. Um, but um, it allowed me to have some perspective on that as well. So when you came in, so my brother was in the army as a mechanized. Was there still the eleven Mike when you were there, or were you attached as an infantry like eleven I, Bravo still? So it was a eleven Bravo, um, but I remember like my platoon sergeant being like an eleven Mike. But I, uh, I think that's after they like started getting rid of some of that stuff. So yeah. I think we were all like they even then at that time were 11 bravos and then you you go you go from hood was it a hood it was ford hood texas a uh, uh, brand new stood up brigade at the time um you know and uh, you know in support of like you know surging units into iraq yeah so. and you you go from hood to campbell which is like if i was going to spend time outside of the regiment that's probably one of the places i'd want to go i've heard great things about the unit i like the area and then from campbell to the to the to the all the way Fort 82nd Bragg. Uh, the home of the of the airborne there. Um, at what point did you look or see the regiment, or what piqued your interest to wanting to come over to the behind the brown fence, as we say? So I, I think it was um, the the first thing that piqued my interest was I had always heard of uh, you know the Ranger Regiment and uh, and Rangers and everything like that, and I knew um, specifically that I always wanted more in the army because uh, I'm very goal oriented, especially when it comes to new challenges and everything like that. Um, but my first interaction was uh, in in Baghdad in 2006, I believe, uh, you know, we were doing like, like TCP work and stuff like that. And you would see, um, you know, the Rangers driving around or just being around and stuff like that. And I knew that there was like this, um, um, you know, vibe that they gave off that it was, uh, it was something special. And I knew that I wanted to be a part of that. So, and you, you came to, were you a staff sergeant when you came to the regiment? I was a staff sergeant, um, uh, from the 82nd and, um, and, uh, you know, I had just got done with, uh, some platoons on time in the 82nd, but I knew that, uh, like I was willing to do whatever I had to do to be, you know, a staff sergeant inside of the 75th. So, so I, I know there's going to be people that listen to this that knew you from pre-regiment years. And there's always those that are like, you know, the ones that we always run to say, I was going to go, I was going to go to selection. I was going to do this. So for those that out there that listen, that are thinking about that now as the army's in a big change coming out of Afghanistan and stuff, what does it look like coming to the 75th? Uh, for me, it was, uh, you know, I, I finally just had to, I knew that, 
you know, my conventional time, whether it was in, uh, you know, the Hunt First Pathfinder Company or, or, you know, the 82nd, I knew it was something that I wanted to do. And there was like always some nerves with like leaving and going, doing something that, uh, you know, you, you're not too sure of, uh, because, you know, obviously it's a very tight esprit de corps unit, you know, and, uh, coming from the outside can be very challenging and like looking at it from looking at the 75th from the outside, it's, uh, you know, it, it looks like a beast that, uh, you know, that you're not a hundred percent sure if it's going to work out. Um, and I think for me, the, the biggest thing was just like getting over that and just saying, you know what, we're just going to go for it and, uh, give it our all and hopefully it all works out. Um, and hopefully, um, hopefully I'm good enough, uh, to, to continue, like make it for one and to continue to serve in that unit. Yeah. And I'll, I'll say for, he, he belongs here. He should have, I didn't, I had no idea he came from another unit or an import as, as you're called when you're, when you come from the outside, I thought Dan was born and raised here like all of us because he fits right in and fits the mold. And it just goes to show, I think some of the misconception that there are some really, really great NCOs in the regular army that we just don't see because we stay you know, we stay in our own space the whole time. And you, you know that there's some, yep. some of the best NCOs out there that would absolutely crush it in this organization. They stay out there and the army needs them too. Yep. Right. Yeah. I think, um, I think some of it's got to do with, um, you know, guys scared of being of the unknown, um, and also, uh, comfortability, yeah. um, guys just get comfortable where they're at or they, uh, you know, they have their own leadership challenges uh, and, you know, they don't want to leave their their guys or, you know, and it's never a good time to move. People don't want a PCS. So um, I think that um, I think our regimental recruiting cell is probably doing a, a pretty good job uh, um, continuing to find those uh, NCOs as well as others. Um, but, yeah, I my biggest thing is, is just to just go do it and try it. There's never a good time to you know, in your career to, to try new things. Cause you just get caught up in stuff, but you just got to rip the bandaid and go yeah. do what you want. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think that's a great segue into the first kind of question that has drove this whole first season, as I call it, of this podcast series is what would your definition of, of vulnerability be? Uh, you know, vulnerability meaning, uh, to me is like, um, essentially just, uh, recognizing that maybe like you don't you don't know everything and uh and there's new challenges out there that uh maybe that you know that that you just haven't faced before and recognizing those challenges and and or like spots in your career or your life or any specific thing like that and uh in in facing them knowing that like you know, maybe I'm not going to be the best at this right away, but I maybe I could be if I if I just challenge myself. Yeah. And I, I couldn't agree more. I think we find ourselves, you and I and a lot of people we know, we're a type personality. So yeah. admitting to yourself that you don't know everything is hard. It's hard to, hard to chew on sometimes, but it is vulnerability just doing that and asking for help. Yeah. And then eventually you become out better and you do become the expert yeah. on, on whatever you're, is you're trying to master there. Yeah. So um, in that you spent a lot of time deployed, right? Mm. Through your conventional time, through the regiment time, and that's taxing on the family. It's taxing right. on your mental health. Uh, mental health is something going back to the A-type personality culture. We don't talk about as much. We're getting better about it, I think, as a community yep. as a whole. But you've had your own struggles with, with mental health and, and 
trying to re rebalance and be the best version of yourself and just what tell us a little bit about that story and how you and what brought you to where you are now in a, in a better place than sure. you were probably three years ago yeah uh i think uh for me it was um at the end of you know uh my last deployment you know I, obviously there were some changes i was moving into a new position um inside of the community that was uh, uh was very different from um where where i was just at in like inside of a leadership role and i think um by not necessarily you know working on myself and in in which is actually you know now that i look back on it you know required right. especially after getting back from uh you know deployments and just constant uh you know riding the riding the train um i i think it was important for me to uh realize that like you know, I was starting to go through some changes and, and uh, I think the word that we use a lot is like uh, starting to feel burnt out a little bit. Yeah. And, um, and, and I think, you know, I could have done a way better job of taking care of myself, um, especially in the off work hours. Um, and, and I just didn't do that. And then, um, you know, once, you know, once I did start to struggle, um, I know uh, we, we always talk about this stigma of, um, you know, asking for help could, uh, lead to like, you know, certain consequences or anything like that. It was actually the exact opposite. Um, now, you know, looking back on it and also in the time, um, you know, I was worried about what other people would think, um, you know, specifically inside of the, the regiment, um, and that wasn't the case at all. It was something that I built up in my own head, um, because all of the, all of my leadership was there, you know, all of my, um, you know, Ranger buddies and family, they were all there. It was, it was all built up in my head and, uh, something that just didn't really exist that I thought existed. So I think you hit on something very important there is, uh, I think we've all gone through it. I've gone through my own st my own stuff, and I I've shared that. But we do build it up in our head. Yeah. We're worried about what others think. And then when we do actually go through it, then we really reveal who our true friends are and the people that are really there right. for us. And it's the same people that are really there for you that you were most worried about disappointing or right. uh, or letting down. And there will be a few that you that are that that you do separate from because they don't support you and aren't there. Sure. And I think from our perspective that's probably the time that that person needs the most help, right? right? To need you to reach out to him. So Absolutely. that helps get rid of the stigma and helps us, helps us just become better people, better leaders, better right. husbands, better fathers and all, and, and all of that. So um, I'm glad, I'm glad you've been as open as you have inside the locker rooms and the coughs about your, sure. your journey. And I know it's helped, helped others. And not only with that, you're in a large population, sadly, within the army, um, especially over the last 20 years with the deployments and stuff that, had a marriage fall apart, or in right. some cases we know two or three, and some of our some of the people we know, um, and you have kids, you know, from your from your previous marriage, right. um, and I'm sure that had an because that all kind of compounded at, at the same time. It seems like everything comes to a head at the same time with us, and uh, I just how are you dealing with that as a father, somebody out there who's listening, who's going through a divorce or is divorced and trying to maintain a relationship with their kids and maintain a career? How does Damshin do it? Yeah, sure. Uh, I mean, the biggest thing for me is um, realizing that my, um, you know, I, I obviously could have done a lot better with uh, especially communication. 
um, with uh, with my ex-wife, uh, especially at the beginning, um, in or I'm sorry, the the middle and the tail end of the marriage, um, that you know, obviously everything compounding together and stuff like that made things uh, very difficult for me. But uh, at the end of the day, what I realized is the most important thing for me is uh, the time that I do have with my kids needs to be as mo- as best quality time as possible. Because them living in a different state, you know, it's uh, it's very difficult, and uh, just trying to maintain that uh, that phone communication and all of that other stuff to just just be the best dad that I can be from a distance, um, and and that's what's in, that's what's important to me is that you know just uh, doing what you can as best as possible from a distance. Yeah, um, yeah I think that's right. I mean. I'm from a broken home. I know what that's like to have dad, you know, all the way across the state. Or It's just, it's not ever going to be perfect. It's never going to be ideal. Right. But as long as you're trying and you're putting forth the effort and you're having intentional conversations with your kids and stuff, I think, you know, you'll come out better than some do on the other side. It's There's no ideal scenario, right? And uh, it's tough, but don't ever stop trying, right? right? Don't ever stop trying, I think is the key where I've seen some guys, they, they just kind of stop or gave up and they end up spiraling back down into a place where they, where they'd climbed out of, uh, because they stopped. And if you ever have trouble, ask for help, reach out to some sort of yep. source. Somebody's going to help you to where they can help, help you get through the struggles, I think is the biggest thing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, also too, like, you know, not every day is going to be a good day. Yep. Um, even, even now, like, uh, you know, I don't think anybody has like, you know, wakes up and has the best day ever in the world. But uh, just realizing that, uh, you know, you surround yourself with with great people. Obviously, I have great friends inside the regiment. I have uh, great friends outside of the regiment, you know, that I, you know, keep in close contact with. And then obviously my wife, uh, you know, she does a she does a very good job with, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, checks and balances, I guess, you know, everybody, uh, you know, everybody goes through stuff. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I think uh, good self-reflection on something and just, you know, coming out of stuff and just trying figuring out a way each day, you know, to just uh, keep driving on and being happy. And, yeah. and right now, uh, that's what's working for me. And um, I think it's great. Yeah. And I think you mentioned something great there is taking care of yourself is something that we're not always great at. Uh, I know I've gotten better at it. I try to do some intentional things to where, like I say, what am I going to do for Yuma today? You know, because we just, it's so much easier to put other people first, right? Whether it's the people that you're leading, your family, and then put yourself on the back burner. And at some point, we all reach a point where we got to put ourselves first. How do is there anything that you do specifically to try to just make sure you're taking care of yourself? Uh, you know, on, honestly, it's, uh, just some, some tools that I've learned as far as like, uh, you know, obviously trying to get the best sleep po- as possible, yeah, you know, takes care of yourself. Uh, and then, uh, you know, just, uh, doing things like for me, keeping, keeping yourself, uh, busy and, uh, with like, I like to, obviously right now I'm in college and stuff like that. So I think it, uh, it gives your mind a break a little bit from, uh, from the other stuff that's going on as far as work and stuff like that, but also like doing activities outside of work that I enjoy, Um, you know, in whether that's, you know, hiking around in Pine Mountain or, you know, going to the gym and just, just doing me and just, uh, and just, you know, trying different things too is, uh, it's helped a lot too. different activities and stuff like that. Um, I think that all of that stuff's important versus just like, you know, 
getting off work and, and only worrying about work and stuff like that, taking work home. Um, that's, uh, that, that, that hasn't been very beneficial to me. Um, but, um, you know, doing other activities outside that's, uh, that's just fun for me. Right. It's good. I think you're right. Uh, people I've seen in our community or any community, any business leader, they do when you can when you see them to start to go downhill. They're doing one or two things. They bury themselves in their work. Yep. They take it home. They they leave the house when it's dark. They come home when it's dark, um, or they go to the bottle, yep. whether it's a pill bottle or the alcohol bottle, and it, they just spiral down. And they isolate themselves. They separate themselves from the pack. They you know, and it's tough. So definitely find ways to take care of yourself. Um, as much as our past, you would have laughed about maybe meditation or sure. uh, journaling or going out and just doing some box breathing and looking at the horizon. As you get older in life, you realize that stuff actually does help. And there's a reason there's science behind it. Yeah. And they tell you, you know, and it's part of that, just getting over that stigma stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that, that that's definitely, um, th those things are huge. I, I know I've, uh, done a few of those activities in the past that, uh, and it's been really beneficial, especially like, you know, if you're stressed out and you want to get your mind right for a second, I think that's uh, super important. Yeah. And, uh, and, it, and you can do it not only for in the moment, if you're in a stressful situation, like yeah. we have found ourselves in many times over the years, there are ways to calm your nerves so you can, can be your best self in an operational environment. So yeah. we'll transition back to some of the army questions with, uh, you're convinced you did some of the long, the 15 month deployments, 12 month. Deployments. So I did three year long deployments. Yeah, three, yeah. three, 12 months. That's a, that's a long time to be yeah. gone. That's like a blink. And I, knowing the guy you are and the, the people that I know, you wouldn't trade that year though for anything because of the experiences you got and the people you got to spend right. it with and stuff. But there were also probably some, some challenging moments. I know there's been some challenging moments in, in our organization. Cause I've seen them. I've witnessed them with my own eyes and, and you, um, but all those years that you've been in, what's what was your most challenging day so far in the uniform? I, I think my most challenging day in uniform was um, my 2012 deployment with uh, the 82nd. Um, we unfortunately, uh, I mean, we were in um, you know a relatively bad area, and uh, uh, one of the other companies in my battalion uh, had just taken uh, a good amount of casualties. Um, and uh, I got a random call in by my first sergeant and said, hey, you're going to go take uh, this platoon um, in a different company. Obviously, very shocked at the at the moment, just because, you know, I was already, you know, well invested into my platoon inside of uh, my company. And I was, uh, you know, it's one of those things that is just like, OK, um, but uh, my that realizing that they had just um uh, one of their platoon sergeants had gotten hurt and, uh, well, the platoon sergeant that I took over that platoon got hurt. And, uh, they also took a, took a death and a few other casualties. And, uh, you know, the going into, you know, a different platoon or company, you know, after a significant, um, event like that was, uh, super challenging. I remember, it was like uh, we were driving from our cop over to the the other uh, company's cop. And I was thinking in my mind, like, oh, my gosh, like, what am I going to do? Like, these dudes have no idea who I am. Um, and like, how do I they just took obviously significant amount of casualties with uh, with a death. And uh, and it, it just wasn't 
it was it was going to be super challenging in my mind. And I, I showed up and, uh, you know, it was exactly what I expected. Obviously, the platoon that had taken those casualties um, were uh, they were pretty upset for obvious reasons. And uh, and I had to figure out very quickly um, how to lead that platoon immediately um you know, under that, under the, their circumstances. And, uh, and that, that was tough. And it was tough because, you know, they didn't know me. Um, we were, we weren't going anywhere. That was like, I think within the first month of being overseas on that six month deployment. And, uh, and I knew we just had to get out of the wire as soon as possible. Um, and I remember, I think we went out the, the very next day um, on, a, on a, just a regular routine patrol just to get everybody back on that, on that horse and try to, try to move on. But uh, trying to get guys to move on like that quickly, it, it, it's difficult. They, uh, they responded actually pretty well. Um, and uh, there was a lot of great guys in that platoon. Um, and, uh, and we ended up pretty successful that deployment. But that, uh, taking over a situation like that was definitely, um, definitely the hardest thing leadership-wise that I've probably ever had to do. And I, it was probably hard because you just wanted to make sure you gave them the leadership they deserved, right? It wasn't hard because of the, the area you were in or right. the casualty, but the, because that platoon deserved right. deserved it, right? And, it's, and you're coming in from the outside right. and don't know what to expect. And I think you say something great there. As When we were both of I were younger in the military, we've been part of that get back on the horse mentality. Yep. And at the time I probably hated it when I was either in it or dealing with a casualty or, or, you know, a, a bad night out and they were trying to get us out again as soon right. as possible. But as I grew up and became that leader, making guys get back on the horse, I realized the importance of you have to, you have to keep going. You can't stay and wallow in that, in that unsuccessful night or that loss. And, and I, I think it's understated how important it is to keep moving forward during a time of like that, when you're going to be deployed for another six months or you're going to be there for another 90 days and you know, you probably got at least, you know, 90 more missions like we used to do right. back in the day. Did, did you find it the same way? No, absolutely. Uh, you know, the, the, honestly, the same exact way. And, uh, you know, and it, it also made me realize then too, like how important it is to, to try your best to learn your boss's job because oh. uh, I was a squad leader um, in that platoon beforehand. And they were, that was my first time, uh, being a platoon sergeant, uh, in general, yeah. um, you know, minus like, you know, when you're covering down for a month or two or something like that. But, uh, uh, you know, and just, uh, realizing that, um, you know, I, I wanted to be the best leader I could be for them, but, uh, you know, I had to get out of that squad leader my mentality like instantly yeah. and uh, and go take over, you know, four squads. Yeah. So, um, you know, recognizing that, like always trying to know your boss's job was uh, was huge for me as well for that. That's a great point because we've all we both heard that, you know, preach from every SAR major first artist. Yeah. Learn the job of the guy in front of you. And unfortunately in most scenarios over the last 20 years we've seen that play out numerous times where mm -hmm. it was either the team leader that was all of a sudden was the squad leader or the cherry squad leader that just found himself to be a weapon squad leader the next day yeah. how important it is to know the job in front of you is great and that brings us great into just leadership kind of discussion and 
what would your definition of leadership be? You know, outside of a boardroom where you're trying to get promoted, what's the what's the the damnation take on leadership? So, I mean, for me specifically, um, you know, especially now in my career, after uh, you know, you know, being in the army for you know 17 years, is like, you know, I think what's what's more pertinent to uh, to me nowadays is servant leadership, mm-hmm. um, especially you know it taking care of the guys, but taking care of them in an, uh, like an out front mentality. Um, I know we always say in the army, you know, don't ask your guys to do anything that you're not willing to do yourself. But, uh, you know, something that has always been super important to me. And, uh, I used to tell my platoon in, um, three alpha this, you know, it's like, is, you know, I work for you. Um, you don't work for me. Um, and, and I think that's huge because, cause it, cause it's true, you know, like I, when I go to work, you know, you know, especially in a leadership, uh, especially in a leadership role, like it's important that I do to me that I, I do everything I can do to make my guys successful. And, uh, even more so nowadays, uh, more outside of the, the professional realm too, is, uh, the personal realm. Like, how am I setting my guys up for, uh, for success? Like, in uh, in the, even, you know, the outside world, you know, and I think that goes into like, you know, whether or not they're transitioning, am I setting them up with the right resources? Like how, how am I best serving my guys, um, in, in, in my unit? Um, because it all, it all plays into it. Um, I think that's super important. Um, not, you know, in to like get away from, you know, I, I think it's, Obviously, you know, taking care of the guys, I think that, you know, that's not just like for me, like, you know, hey, we're all going home at uh, 1400 today. I think it's I think it's well more than that. Are my guys set up for this, that or whatever, Um, whether it be professionally or personally? I think both of us have seen the shift kind of in the army and the regiment to where leadership has now gone outside the brown fence. Right. It's not just how good they are at live fires or how good they are at PT. It's um, how good are you at life? And yeah. are you ready for the next phase of your life whenever? Because the army is going to end for all of us, right? Um, we have a whole, or we have a whole more holistic approach to our leadership now than ever as an army. Because uh, I think we're realizing if we take care of our people, we'll keep, they'll stay, right? They'll, they'll right. hopefully stay around and stick around because I think more guys and girls their purpose and that what they love is really inside the army, but we don't sometimes as leaders really are great at highlighting that and illuminating that this is a great place. The army has been a great career. I wouldn't trade my career right. for anything. Uh, it's just a more holistic a- approach to leadership. If, if you have a take on it. No, I, I, I think it is. I, I think it's huge. Um, especially, uh, you know, it, what you said with, with like, you know, taking care of guys to hopefully keep them in. And I think, uh, some of that is, is because like, you know, if, you know, for example, we just sent guys to like a public speaking course and and those kind of things, like it's, it's helping develop them for, you know, their, their next job in the army. And if we're doing that, that's going to make them successful, you know, in the army, which I think in turn, helps them, you know, realize that like, Hey, I can do, I can continue my service and continue to be successful inside the military. So yeah, I, I agree. So I, I've asked this question of, of everybody that's come on so far. So 
all your experience, if you could go back and you could talk, if you could grab that private damption by the scruff right there and, and give them some advice, what, what advice would you give them? Oh, for me specifically, especially now, you know, I didn't start uh, my education, uh, civilian education until the, uh, pretty much the last part of my career. I hear um, that, yeah. And, and uh, you know, I'm in my last uh, last college class right now before my bachelor's. And it's just like, oh, my gosh, like I could have knocked this out like years beforehand. Yeah, I, I think it would be that. And, uh, you know, because because it, it, my classes specifically, you know, especially doing an organizational leadership degree, you know, while some of it is just busy work, some of it also is really good material yeah, and helps develop you. So I, I would say that, um, especially for, you know, the enlisted, right? Um, obviously, it's important for everybody to, uh, to get educated, but uh, I feel like by now I would have uh, yeah, a know. doctorate yes. if I, you know, if I would have just started it young, but, uh, that just so you don't feel so compressed yeah. as, um, as your years go on, especially, you know, you know, moving into a platoon sergeant role or a first sergeant role, it, like it's, it's not a great time no, to not. be doing no. college. So yeah. I, I think, I think I would say that. And, um, and I think, um, I think I would say that, um, you know, especially back then, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's okay to continue to keep challenging yourself in other ways. Yeah. Um, I know for me specifically, it was always important to, um, you know, reach the next goal or reach the reach where I wanted to be, which was in, um, ultimately in the 75th. But, uh, I think it, it's okay to challenge yourself in different ways too, you know, whether it be like different, um, you know, civilian education or other classes too, to just, um, to, to broaden yourself as a, as a person instead of just like very strict, just like, Hey, this is like all infantry stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. I, I think you hit a very, cause I feel exactly the same way. You know, I finished my bachelor's from the University of Charleston as well, fellow Eagle over here uh, about two months ago. So I, I think we miss an opportunity as younger service members, right, to um, to kind of explore who we are as people, right? right? We get so wrapped up in the job of being a paratrooper or a ranger that we don't really think about what's going to happen next. And I, I miss the opportunity. And People always give me a hard time. Like, I don't want to go to college. I don't want a college degree. I don't need a college degree. No, you don't. But you, if you want to be an electrician, the Army is a great place to, to dabble in that, have the Army pay for it. And maybe you don't want to be an electrician or maybe you don't want to be a plumber. And maybe you do want to get an MBA. There's a missed opportunity there by a lot of service members yeah. to really explore themselves for the next phase of their life. Yeah, yeah I, th I think... Yeah, I, obviously that's super important. And I, I think the, um, you know, the, the Ranger Regiment's doing a, a really good job with, uh, with those, uh, in, those initiatives right now, whether it be trade school or any other, any other way to just, you know, set yourself up for something that's not, not necessarily just the army. Yeah. And, uh, I think that makes us grow as people. And I, I think the, the regiment is doing a really good job with that right now. I agree. I agree. Dan, it's, it's great to have you on here. We're going to end this with a little bit of a gimmick here with the, uh, the, 
random questions. We'll reverse roles. You'll ask me a couple questions. I'll ask you two. Uh, uh, I have the interview deck here. We have no idea what's coming out of this deck, right? I, my son got a question about what he thought when he was going to be pregnant. So uh, having a 13-year-old answer, that was interesting. So we don't know what's coming. I'll let you go first. Okay. And we'll alternate. We'll ask each other two questions. Okay. Was there something you asked for repeatedly as a child, but you were always told no? Oh, as a child, I'm sure there, I'm sure there was, what would it have been? I always, okay. Yep. I remember I had a friend I played basketball with in high school. He had all the, like the GI Joe sets, like all the tanks and all that stuff. Like kind of like today's Legos was like the GI Joe stuff back then. And I really wanted that. And it, was fairly expensive, I think. And my mom was just like, nope, you're not getting it. You're not getting it. So to, you know, to, to counter off that, I just decided to become a GI Joe myself and left mom back in New Mexico. And I, I remind her that all the time. She's the reason that I went and chose the career I chose because she wouldn't get me. I couldn't do it as a child. So I had to chase it as a, as a career. So <laughs> I think that'd be the, be the one thing that comes into my mind right off the bat. Okay. What is one surefire way to grab your attention? Uh, I would have to ask my wife. No, I'm just <laughs> kidding. Um, I would say the best way to grab my attention would to probably challenge me. Yeah. Uh, oh, I mean, yeah, honestly, that's, that's uh, especially with uh, our our type of personalities is just like, you know, anytime there's like a, like a competitive thing, like, like I'll beat you in this or that or something like that. I'm a, I'm a pretty competitive in nature. Yeah. So, uh, uh, I think that that would be that would be it uh, for sure. That's funny. It brings it brings up a good story that I'll tell about you. So as you grow in the army, like I had, you know, and I just retired things start to hurt in your body more. So you, that's why you see us old guys, we kind of break off from the pack and do PT on our own because then we can like do what doesn't hurt. <laughs> and I remember one time I was in the gym and Dan was in there and Dan would always do this to just people all the time. You'd look around, see what they're doing and just like go in and be like, I'm doing this workout with you. Yeah. And he came in one time and I was doing some like burpees with a plate and pressing it over my head. And Dan, he just walks up and he's like, what are we doing? Let's do it. And I was like, God, Dang it. Cause I know I'm going to have to try to compete time-wise to Dan. And we sat there and we, and we crushed it for a while, but that is definitely a way to grab your, anytime there's a competitive space, you're there to, to, to prove that you, that you, that you are the top dog. And I, you know, I bowed away and, and, and went and licked my wounds, but that's a definitely a surefire way to grab your attention. Absolutely. Yeah. So, all right, one more. One more. All right. Would you choose a shorter life? and be super rich or a longer life and somewhat poor? Well, I guess I'll go with a longer life and somewhat poor because it's worked to this point, right? I'm pretty, pretty happy with it. Uh, I think now that I have kids, especially, I would choose the longevity over anything, especially since I've seen, you know, uh, my, my wife's mother passed away years ago and doesn't get to see the grandkids now. So I definitely take the longevity over, over money any, any day. Me too. What instantly makes you not like any other person or makes you unique? Ooh, makes me not like other people. Uh, I would say, ooh, not liking other people. I, I kind of like 
I, I normally like everybody. Right. Um, I would say uh, just not caring about something. Right. Um, I mean, not not the fact, not that you have to care about everything, but uh, uh, I, I would say just um, not not caring about the right things. Um, I think uh, I think that's the best way. I would. Uh, it's a pretty broad question. Um, but I would say not, not caring about the right things that it's especially, uh, you know, when it comes to like people yeah. or like subordinates or something like that, I think, uh, I think it's important. Yeah, I think, I think you're right. And I think if I had to switch it, just, I always hated the guy who always had to ask a question, even though a question never needed to be asked, like the guy that needed to always be heard in a meeting or the training meeting who always had a point, even though there was no point to be made, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and prolonged an already long meeting. That guy, that person drove me nuts. And, and to close it out, I'm going to throw a curveball at you that yep. we didn't discuss and I just kind of thought of because you're a sports fan. Yep. I'm a huge sports fan. Sports is one thing that bonds soldiers when we're deployed. That's one thing that you constantly talk about. So we, we just had Tom Brady retire. Many people calling him the GOAT, right? Yep. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a Jerry Rice guy. I still think Jerry... Probably I would take him as the GOAT, as an overall just mm-hmm. football player athlete. Give me your top three greatest football players of all time now that we're in the post-Tom Brady area. Who, who would you take? Who are your top three? Uh, I would say um, Lawrence Taylor. Oh. Uh, I would say Barry Sanders and Walter Payton. And uh, I can't I can't argue with that. I can't argue with it. I, I, and the reverse, I would go Tom, Jerry, and probably Lawrence Taylor. He was a freak. If you watch, if you're a football player, a youth football player, go look up the film. If you play linebacker of Lawrence Taylor in his heyday, it was a different league back then. Yep. And he was just mean and nasty. And he told you what he was going to do to you. I love watching that. So it gives me chills when I think about him. Yep. Uh, Dan, it's great to have you on here. I yep. appreciate you coming on here and do this. I yep. love you. Thank you. I love you like a brother. I wish you the greatest success the rest of your career, uh, in your new marriage. Um, um, I'm excited to watch you grow as a Ranger leader, uh, a husband and father. And uh, I just appreciate you coming on here. And uh, for everybody else out there listening, make sure you like, share, subscribe, all that good stuff. And uh, we'll we'll catch you next week. Thanks, Dan. Thank you.